the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. And I'm Adam. And today we have another album review for you. Uh, Today we are going the way of the headbanger. We're (laughs) going to be talking about the metal band Helmet's breakthrough album, Meantime. Adam, I don't imagine that this is one that you really listened to before, I'm guessing? I actually have. Uh, like, okay. I remember specifically you had the tape of this album at some point, and you may not have took it with you, take it with you to college, or maybe you did. I don't remember, or maybe we were onto CDs by that time. But I have like one distinct memory of this album. And this is not really my album. This is definitely your album, and I'm sure you'll talk more about it. But I have a distinctive memory of, uh, you know, because we had this tape and. I remember mom wanting me to go mow the yard. And I was like, fuck, I don't want to go goddamn and mow the yard. I just don't <laughs> really want to do it. And this was at our at the Brown House uh, in Alpharetta. And right. uh, and so I was just pissy about doing it. And so I was like, fuck <laughs> it. I want to listen to something angry. And so I grabbed this album, this tape. I put it on, listened to it, and I was being all angry, you know, young teen or whatever <laughs> as I was mowing the yard. And that is pretty much, you know, my only uh, nostalgic memory of this album. I find that very interesting because that yard was very tiny and took very little time to actually mow. Yeah, but it, I mean, it was all like, I don't know, it was all weeds and like sticks and like rocks and, and shit. It was not a it was not a healthy looking yard, that's for sure. Mow... Mowing yards was something I did a lot when I was a kid, and I don't remember you doing hardly at all. So no, I did, uh, John. I, I did a. I took over a lot of your routes when you went to college. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I ended up, uh, you know, I started a little shitty business where we would like quote unquote business where we would <laughs> uh, mow yards around the neighborhood. It was called, uh, I think we called it Top Dog Lawn Care. Uh, because I liked UGA or probably because you went to UGA and that's why I liked UGA. And then I ended up okay. going there, but yeah, me and, uh, me and my old buddy Ray, when I was uh, a kid, we would mow yards together. Yeah. We took, we took okay. over, uh, uh, uh sorry, I, we don't use this, but like we took over Lauren's house after you got done, after you left, we were, were oh, okay. we mowed, uh, their yard. Uh, so I have a distinct memory of this. I remember exactly uh, who introduced it to me and when, uh, when I was in sixth grade, uh, I had a, f- a friend, Jacob, who was actually a very good bass player even then hmm. um, and turned into uh, grew up to be a very, very good bass player. I think he still plays around the Atlanta area. I haven't really uh, talked to him. You know, we become Facebook friends, and I kind of see what he's doing. But other than that, I um, really have no contact with him. But he was someone I hung out with when I was younger, and he was the one who introduced me to this. He actually he was also the one who introduced me to Nirvana. Oh, okay. All right. So I, I I have a lot to thank him for <laughs> when it comes to music. But I remember uh, he really loved this album when it came out. And uh, I in turn, I listened to it, grew to love it. Uh, I, I grew to appreciate the full album later by the time I became a teenager or, you know, into my teens. Mm-hmm. Um, I mostly was just in – I mostly just had it because it had the one radio song that they played from this album, which mm-hmm. I'll talk about when we get to. But I did grow to love the album in full. 
as we went. Uh, it was released June 23rd of 1992 on Interscope Records, pretty well-known uh, mm-hmm. uh, record label. Uh, length and self only runs about 36 minutes, so uh, pretty average, sort of in between of, of some of the albums we've talked about on here. Not too bad. Uh, Ten tracks. Uh, the personnel on the, on the album, uh, Paige Hamilton, who essentially Helmet is Paige Hamilton. Mm, okay. It's his band. Uh, is uh, doing does vocals and lead guitar. Uh, Peter Megende, Megende, I'm not really sure how to say his name was rhythm guitar. Henry Bo- Bog- Bogdan, wow, I can't pronounce any of these <laughs> names today. Uh, was bass and John Stainer or Stainier or Stanier, however he pronounces it, was the drummer. I do remember specifically loving listening to the drums, especially on a couple specific tracks. Uh, but Paige Hamilton, so this is a very much a heavy metal album. Mm-hmm. Um, if if this is not, so, this may be something that people not expect us to do because this is, it's a little bit against everything else we've done. Yeah. Very heavy, very strong guttural uh, vocals yeah. in most of them. Yes, yeah. I mean, if you were, if we were going to ease people into metal, we would probably do, you know, Metallica Black or something right. like that as a very easy metal album to listen to. Uh, but we're like, no, fuck it. <laughs> Let's just <laughs> kick them into the damn deep end. So. So Paige Hamilton is a very well-trained guitar player. He studied jazz guitar at the Manhattan School of Music. Okay. Yeah, you got to be damn good for that, you know. And and you can you which you can really hear it in. Uh, I mean, I'm sure he plays the solos and that's fine. But what you can really hear his his uh, his education in is the rhythms of the guitars, the the sort of uh, harmonic rhythm that he uses, the riffs that they create because they're they're a little uh, against the norm. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely somebody who's sort of studied the avant garde in music. Um, not just jazz, uh, he's, he's done a little bit of other uh, performings and kind of took that and translated it all into metal. Uh, unless you have anything else you wanted to add, I'm ready to dive into the movie, or into the movie, into the album. Yeah, I'm good to go. Let's put our helmet all right. on. <laughs> uh, all right, so we start with sort of the almost title track. The, mm-hmm. the title of the album was Meantime taken from the first song which was called In the Meantime. gate they don't hold anything back yeah it's they bring you angry yelling very very fast (laughs) yeah so uh they kind of have like kind of you know sort of abstract noise loud sort of uh you know trembling guitars 
until they lead into uh, the the you know sort of the rhythm of what's going to be the the verses and Paige has two sort of voices on this album. Yeah, I definitely noticed that. He's got his screaming voice and he's got his singing voice. Uh, I'll go ahead and say it. I prefer his singing voice. Oh yeah, me too, big time. Um, I think it works really well. I think his screaming voice actually isn't full enough. I, yeah. For that for that style of sort of screaming, I I I think the somebody somebody else with a fuller screaming voice. And honestly, I, I've noticed that there are quite a few bands where if there's going to be someone screaming and someone singing, they tend to get two different people because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's kind of hard to do both. And this, I think, kind of does kind of showcase that. Uh, however, uh, I love the sort of uh, simple rhythmic ba-dum, 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 mm-hmm. ba-dum, 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 rhythm of the guitar, where it's not, it doesn't line up perfectly in four. It takes like a good uh, eight counts for everything to flip back around before the, the riff starts over again. Mm-hmm. So automatically you can hear that uh, they're going to they're gonna be experimenting a little bit. They're going to be, you know, working with rhythms and 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 time signatures and and not just doing the same old sort of norm, you know, four four beat that we've typically come to expect from most bands. Yeah, uh, this was uh, one of the singles from the album. It was the second one that they released, and they had a music video on this one, which I did watch, and it's fairly interesting. It's definitely very angry. You could tell it was angry. Uh, it had like shots or shots yeah it had shots of this kid playing with a tonka truck intercut with <laughs> the band playing in a small club and then intercut with like industrial like old school archival like sweatshop footage and shit like that <laughs> it was very strange but it's also very consistent with the other music videos that i saw <laughs> from this album as well uh and it, it looked very you know definitely had 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 a metal 90s almost even like kind of grunge-esque feel to the music video i would say right so i uh i didn't love this song um mm-hmm. i mean i definitely liked it i it, this one's not bad I, i'm with you the the screaming kind of voice i didn't think was fantastic i kind of uh, appreciate his singing voice better um but yeah, it was fine. It's fine. All right. So speaking of metal, ah, the next song is called Ironhead. Yeah. All right, so I will say this: this one grooves pretty good. Mm. It's got a it's it got a nice tight groove to it. Um, they like to use a lot of he likes Page likes to use a lot of syncopation in his in his you know guitar riffs, um, and we get uh, kind of backed up by the by the drum set. I think his yelling voice sounds better on this album or on this mm-hmm. track than it did on in the meantime because mm-hmm. I think he lowered his screaming register a little bit so it's sort of he's not quite going all out screaming but it's a little bit more gravelly and a little bit lower and suits the song a little bit better than I think it did on in the meantime 
to me, I, I was almost surprised. I thought it was a different person singing because he definitely <laughs> screams differently. And so I was like, oh, they yeah. must have two different singers. But then I checked the the people on it. Like, nope, it's just him. So I thought that was kind of strange. Um, I personally felt this song was very, it's pretty repetitive. And it was a simple, felt like a simple beat, simple song. There's a lot mm-hmm. of re- re- repetitive style to a lot of the music on this album. Um, I, yeah, I, I didn't, agree. I didn't hate this song, but I certainly didn't love it. This was a very... Uh, <laughs> you know mediocre song on the album for me all right that's fair yep. um uh, i i i think and i think this is largely gonna be true uh because i've had a little bit more in-depth stuff study in music while i agree it is very repetitive mm-hmm. um i think there's gonna be more technical things about what they do that i appreciate more than you will yeah um just from an audience standpoint, just because I appreciate it. Now, that being said, you're right. It's very repetitive, and it's an okay song. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, the greatest one on here. So Okay. So now we move on to third track on the album, which is called Give It. Step ahead Always wear the past A dying suit me So here's the first track where we actually get Paige's singing voice. Mm-hmm. So we've almost had three different sounds in the first yeah. three songs. Um, I, I like that this one is a little bit more laid back. It has sort of a triple feel as opposed to a, a you know a two feel or a four feel, um, almost like a swinging song. You almost hear that jazz influence in them. Um, there's a, there's some some tempo changes that happen in the song, some time changes. So that aspect of it, I really like. And again, I really like his singing voice way more than his screaming voice. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I, but, you know, I think it, it works. That part of it works to his advantage. And actually, if you listen to other Helmet albums, the farther he goes, I'm not thinking that the screaming has done such good things for his voice because I think the screaming <laughs> actually gets worse yeah. than some of the other albums. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I thought this was a pretty decent song. It's probably it's definitely the one I liked the best of the three so far. Um, you know, I want to repeat, I've definitely already noticing just kind of how, to me, how it seems how simple the style of these songs are uh, and right. kind of repetitive style. Um, when I first listened to the song, I only thought it was okay. And then I watched the music video and I actually kind of liked the music video and actually helped me like the song a little bit more. Uh, and the video itself is a mix of kind of the band playing and then uh, this actor, Eric Bogosian, who you've kind of you've, I'm sure you've seen him around and other stuff. At least like, he has like one of those faces that I know I've seen him uh, and he's like destroying an apartment. And then you also get a mix of archival footage and historical footage and images kind of put all just kind of quickly edited together or superimposed onto each other. Uh, and it kind of gave it a more of like a, OK, 
maybe some of this stuff has uh, an actual lesson to it or some of these lyrics. You know, now I'm actually listening to the lyrics a little bit more because they might have meaning to them um, because mm-hmm. they're tying in with whatever the images are that are putting on with the music video. So I actually kind of liked the music video and it helped me enjoy uh, Give It a little bit more. Uh, all right. So now we're going to head to probably the biggest track, the most well-known track that Helmet is known for. Uh, it was their first single off this album. <coughs> It's the only one where you'd probably maybe still hear it on the radio uh, if you were listening to like a hard rock radio or something like that. Uh, And it's definitely the one that kind of catapulted them into, I wouldn't say stardom, but, (laughs) yeah, you know, popularity where people kind of knew who they were. Uh, Also, it was featured on, it was featured on the TV show Beavis and Butthead. And it was one of the few songs that they played that I actually liked the song listening mm-hmm. to it instead of making fun of it, which is what they often did. Yeah. Uh, and that is the song Unsung. I love this song. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the song that made me fall in love with Helmet. It's it doesn't sound like really any of the other songs in this album. It's a, it's it's high energy, but it's a little bit more laid back in its tone. Mm-hmm. And I, this is if I seek out a Helmet song to listen to listen to, it's almost always this one. Yeah, um, there are other good songs on the album, but this is the one where if unless I'm in the mood to listen to the whole album, I'm pretty much just going to pick this one out. He's using his singing voice instead of his screaming voice. And I don't know, this song just seems a little bit more developed than the rest of them. Also, this one yeah. he wrote, I'm pretty sure, like a year earlier than all the other songs. Hmm. I'm with you. Like, this is easily the best song on the album. This is, you know, the only Helmet song that I could recognize, and I did recognize it. I did totally remember this song once I was listening to it. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, this is one that is worthy of being, like, in a 90s, heavy metal or heavy or hard rock kind of uh, playlist. If you want to put one in there, this is a good song. Uh, The style, yeah, is pretty different. When you kind of get into the... Getting into that, and then especially when they start singing... It kind of reminded me of like a Black Sabbath song. He kind of has like almost an Aussie singing voice, at least on this, just on this out, on this song. And so okay. it, to me, that's at least that's the kind of vibe I was getting. And so I kind of was digging that, um, you know, in, in, in a, it was just in a in a good way. It sounded very Black Sabbath-y, uh, maybe just a little bit harder. It's, but, kind, of, it's kind of funny yeah. you say that because uh, one of the things Paige Hamilton also got into was movie soundtracks. And he's actually worked on a few, not as a composer, 
but um, he's done a few composing, but he's also performed on mm-hmm. films. He was actually a performer on the the soundtrack for the movie Heat. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Um, also, he did some other stuff like in, in the movie Catwoman, and I won't hold that. At, <laughs> um, but uh, they've used helmet songs in a bunch of movies like The Crow, Johnny Mnemonic, mm-hmm. Solace Three, Underworld. At, in in the movie The Jerky Boys. The Jerky Boys version of the movie, they did a cover of Black Sabbath's "Symptom of the Universe." Oh, very cool! Yeah, so I could see how I could see how that connection could be made. Yeah. The only other thing I have is I did watch the music video, uh, and it's definitely a very metal music video. Uh, and surprise, surprise, it's the band playing like in an empty warehouse. <laughs> There's a lot of strobes going on. Uh, they also kind of like are doing some time interpolation with the footage, and then there's archival, you know, industry style historical footage. Like they really like putting in like archival footage into their music videos uh whoever they had directing the music videos had to be the same for all three of them from this uh, album for sure i mean i could uh, i could keep gushing on how much i really like the song okay. and all that stuff but let's let's go ahead and and move on through um we're almost halfway through the album already yeah yeah we're flying all right so we move on to a song called turned out So what I, I like about this song, this is very much in the same vein as in the meantime in Ironhead. Um, he's going back to his screaming voice. He's using sort of the staccato riffs on the guitar. But uh, the main sort of uh, verses section is actually in uh, five instead of four. Mm. Okay. So And we actually, he likes that a lot. He, in a few, a few of the songs, he uses uh, f- a five, you know, a... a meter of five instead of a meter of four mm-hmm. uh, which helps differentiate it and gives you know gives a really cool sound to the licks because the licks themselves still sound very repetitive they just fit within five instead of four so they don't sound so round and even and you know you know clean cut they they add a little bit of edge and difference to the song this one a lot like the other ones it's good i can listen to it there's really nothing special about it uh, from the other ones. It's very much in the same vein as like Ironhead and mean and in the meantime. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, hard. It's screamy. Um, now the thing that I do really, really remember from this song is like that. I guess chorusy part when he's like, "Hard times, hard times downtown, Julie Brown." Like I don't whatever yeah. it was, the downtown Julie Brown part. 
Yeah. Like I, I just it's very memorable. And so like when I was listening and, and heard that, I was like, oh yeah, this is the fucking downtown Julie Brown song. <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah. that's kind of all I got. And I don't I don't like this song really all that much, but it did it, it did kind of come back into my nostalgia a little bit when he started singing that part. <laughs> yeah, that is that is probably the most memorable part of the song. Yeah. So, so. All right, well, that's the first half of the album. Let's move on down to the other half. Uh, we're on the downhill slope, and you know what? He feels bad. So this one kind of has almost like a doom feel at the very beginning. It's very mm-hmm. slow and heavy. Um, and then it kind of goes into a, a pretty uh, medium-tempoed riff. And we get we get uh, Paige's singing voice. What actually gets me in the song, and the, at first, the first time I heard it, it made it horrible for me to listen to. And the more I listen to it, actually, the more I like it for this reason. Mm-hmm. He, Paige seems like he's slightly flat the whole song. Oh, <laughs> okay. Like he's slightly low. Like he's not like painfully low. He's just slightly off. Like he's a quarter tone or so off. And he kind of he bends his voice his voice down a little bit as he ends some of the phrases. And actually, I kind of come to love the song for that because it makes it stand out a little bit more. Um, even though he just sounds like he's slightly off the whole time. Yeah. Do you think he did that on purpose? Then I don't I don't think so. Um, I I would be not be surprised if they did this, you know, this album on a tight budget and they had to go with his, you know, same reason why I don't feel like his screaming and in the meantime is as full as it could be is they may have just tried to knock out these songs as fast as they could. Yeah, Uh, which is, you know, which is uh, possible. There's a lot of albums that are, you know, made that way. Mm hmm. And this, I think this is their first, yeah, this is their first one. So, you know, they're trying to do it. I remember hearing that uh, Nirvana's first album, Bleach, uh, was done pretty quickly. Like, they knocked out those songs pretty much as fast as they could. Okay. Yeah, so, I, I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't put it past them if that this was the case. Um, again, uh, it's a lot of me appreciating, you know, what he's doing rhythmically more than anything. So, uh, that's all I got to say about the song, so. Yeah, I had a very short thing about it. I just said, <laughs> this song is simple, but I kind of like it. <laughs> That's about it. Like, and it, it, you know, yeah, it's not bad. It's decent. It reminds me of their same style. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I didn't dislike the song. It was pretty good. I kind of like it. Cool. Uh, well, we, we just felt bad, and now we're going to feel <laughs> better. I still ignore and try to hide 
actually really enjoy this song mm. um i appreciate the simplicity of how it starts uh kind of a you know a muted guitar with a very uh, very repetitive over a simple beat and it, it kind of just it it doesn't go anywhere for a little while you're not really sure how it's gonna get out of it and then it builds up into the to the verse lick and the verse lick is also in five and i've always really appreciated the rhythm that he uses for the verses in this one uh, i have it on good authority john that the rhythm is going to get you <laughs> Thank you. I don't know if that was a pity laugh or not, but a little bit, a little okay. bit. It's an it's another kind of one of the, uh, the screaming ones. But I've, for some reason, this one has always stuck out to me as one of the ones I appreciate more. More for, as I mentioned, sort of the instrumental that's happening behind the voice than the actual singing itself. It works with you know what he's you know his screams w- work with with what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, but uh, to me, it's not the it's not what makes the song good. Um, I felt that this one was pretty redundant <laughs> and <laughs> I'm yeah same kind of stuff I did like the the driving bass and like then the drums going on at the beginning like I thought that mm-hmm. was a good way to get into the song um, but other than that I was just like okay sounds like every other helmet song I've heard pretty much mostly or like <laughs> 75% of them so far all right we're trucking on down and we get to number eight song which is called you borrowed Right, so we get singing page back mm-hmm. uh, for this one, and I think that's what makes to me that's uh, the best part of the song is his singing on this. Um, uh, I think the title is kind of appropriate for uh, as you borrowed these last three songs. I start to hear things that I've already heard, mm-hmm. like not just not like well, it sounds like this. Like I I keep I keep hearing licks that I'm like I'm pretty sure I already <laughs> heard this lick somewhere else <laughs> on the album. Uh huh. Where maybe they had to kind of re-recycle some stuff to maybe throw some songs in quickly. Uh, but I, I, I do appreciate his singing on this song. Yeah, I agree. It did definitely remind me particularly of the singing on Unsung. Uh, and so I, I I like this song probably better than, than most of the other ones on the album. It might be my mm-hmm. maybe second or third favorite. Uh, and so I did appreciate that. You know, you're still kind of getting a repetitive style going on, but... You know, this is a good one. I actually really do like, uh, there's a good s- guitar solo going on that, that comes up later in the song, which I think is pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and probably showcases his, his talents as a jazz guitarist pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So then we're moving on to a song, which I'm not at all sure what this means, <laughs> but it's titled FBLA2 mm-hmm. or FBLAII. I'm yeah. not sure. <laughs> Could be either one. Yeah. So here uh, we get a little bit of where you can see Paige's avant-garde training uh, with his with the way he's working the rhythm and the time because he he, he uses a riff where he, he kind of lulls you in with a straight four and then he throws in like a three eight which is gonna make it feel like a skip like there's a, a weird you know hiccup happening in the in the riff before he comes back and. Um, that to me is is kind of what I took away from this song is you really kind of hear his avant-garde training with rhythm and time signatures and that sort of thing. Um, he uh, mostly uh, does another singing voice in this one. Uh, again, this one nothing special. It's just the the little sort of mixed meter thing that really that makes it stand out at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, it's an okay song in the album. Yeah, I wrote it's a fine song. Um, I like the, there's a guitar solo in there that I thought worked out pretty well. Uh, but at, at this point overall, I'm feeling like I'm drowning in a sea of the exact same song <laughs> given to me so far eight times. And then plus unsung, <laughs> it's like, here's the same song. And then also unsung, like, and it's just like, Oh my God. So yeah, that's, that's, that's the point of where I'm feeling at this <laughs> on this album right now. And I, I'll be, uh, I'll be honest. I kind of had a similar feeling having mm-hmm. gone back and re-listened to the whole album mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. I've been a while, it actually been a while since I listened to the whole thing. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's kind of finish it out uh, with the number 10 song, which is called Role Model. So I do appreciate the sort of little, uh, the guitar drops during the verse to the bass riff. However, I was, when I heard it, I was like, I'm 90% sure they've used this bass riff somewhere else in the album. <laughs> and there's another section where they kind of drop to a bass riff and it. If it's not the same one, it's damn close. 
Mm-hmm. Again, not nothing, nothing really, really special. It just kind of sounds like all the other songs they've had on here. Yeah, when when this song was going on, like literally, I kind of, I guess, I zoned out between uh, <laughs> FBLA II or two and Role Model because I had no idea that this was a different song from the one before. I thought it was all one track and it flow it didn't really flow into it. You know, there was a definite ending to the last song, but I, I thought it was just like an ending and like, you know, like a slowdown and then like a comeback hit hard like like it happens in some of these songs. Right. So I legitimately had like to go back and like when the album finished I was like, "Whoa, whoa, no. I thought I had one more left." And so I had to go back and be like, "Oh shit. That was all <laughs> Uh, two different those were two different songs, not one, and so that is to me that's like the definitive, just overall <laughs> discussion on the album is, yeah, it just feels like the same shit I've heard before. Before we kind of go into our final thoughts, this was considered actually a very influential album for its time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of considered to be a sort of a, a, a definitive album in sort of the post-metal movement going into sort of the new metal and alternative metals uh, from the late 90s. Uh, in 2017, Rolling Stone ranked it number 54 on the 100 greatest metal albums of all time. Wow. That, that seems high to me, but I don't know all of the metal albums well, ever, so okay. One thing, uh, one thing I've I've learned, and I've thrown to this podcast several times, and I'm going to keep doing it until everyone listens to it. Um, there's a great music podcast called called the Ongoing History of New Music, and very often he'll talk about influential albums or things that are influential in music that necess- aren't necessarily influential because of how great they are, mm-hmm. or because of you know how much money they made or sort of the thing. It's because it's influential because of who it influenced. And I kind of see Helmet as being one of those things where the band itself was influential to other musicians, and that's what makes it an important album. Mm-hmm. Not because it's, you know, of how great it is. Although, as we've talked, there's some really good songs. I mean, granted, there's there I think there's one clear standout yeah. in here. Um, and it's a and I could listen to that song all day long. It's great. Uh, but I th- I think it's the influence of the album is what makes it important more so than the actual sort of you know music that's mostly going on. So uh, Adam, why don't you kind of give your sort of overall final thoughts on the album? I mean, I I certainly thought this album was consistent. It was very <laughs> consistent. Um, but there are so few original, unique sounding songs on this album. Uh, that ultimately, you know, I will likely never listen to it again. Like, I didn't hate it. I like metal, uh, but this just didn't give me enough of differences in the songs. I really do appreciate Unsung, and I think that it is a good song, and it is, mm-hmm. you know, worthy to go on my heavy metal mix, and I might put it on there. Uh, and if I, I might actually already be on there, but, like, you know, that is a worthy song. Everything else, mm-hmm. you know, they're not bad, but it just, you know, it felt repetitive. You know, that, that's really okay. all it is to me. Okay. Um, I uh, have always kind of had just like a nostalgia for this album. I do go back and listen to it from time to time. It's been a while. Uh, I typically only pick out a few songs here or there. Um, also, it's the same with their uh, their second album, which is called Betty. Mm. Uh, has some really good songs on there, but I, I don't listen to that album all the way through. Um, I'm more inclined to listen to this one all the way through than anything else. Um, however, I, I really appreciate... 
uh, everything pa- uh, Paige Hamilton does with his songwriting. And while the riffs may seem repetitive and, and really kind of are, um, I I can see what he's doing and sort of it's sort of like listening to avant-garde classical music. I'm appreciating it for what is happening more than more so than the aesthetic. I think he's a, a damn good songwriter, and I think if he if he mostly just was doing the singing stuff, I think it would have been a, a great album all the way across. So, yeah. Um, overall, I really do enjoy this album, and I I do go back to it. Um, some clear standouts. Pretty much the first half of the album I listen to more than the se- the back half of the album because um, it does get a little bit pretty much yeah pretty re- up, repetitive like, up up to like uh, up to number seven. The first seven, I really enjoy. The last three, I can kind of take or leave if I needed to. Hmm. So, okay. But overall, it, it's a little bit more about the nostalgia, but there is good things about this album for sure. Yeah, I would agree. All right, and that is our review of the album Meantime by the band Helmet. Please join us next time as we break down the 1991 animated film Rockadoodle, discuss the 90s TV show Darkwing Duck, and cast our version of a Moon Knight movie from the Marvel Universe. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com, or you can find us on social media by searching at blastpastcast. If you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. So until next time, I'm John. I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la.